So I did something for the first time this week. Um, I got eye surgery, so that's a, that's a fun time. Um, and so basically, you don't have to be worried about me. I just had a sty, which is a little bubble in my, in my eyelid, and they uh, basically flip your eyelid open, and then they cut it out. So, um, And everyone was talking to me before the surgery, and they're like, aren't you nervous that you're getting your eye cut open? And I was really relaxed about it. Like, I was doing fine. And when I got into the surgery, I realized I shouldn't have been as relaxed as I was. Um, so I'm, I'm laying there, and the doctor has my eyelid in the clamp, and he's cutting through. And all of a sudden, I feel something hit my eyeball. And, and it was one of his tools that he's using to clean out my eyelid. And he said in the, in the surgery that I, I jumped, and he hit me there. And when it hit my eyeball, I thought at that second, what if I went blind right now? Like, how would my life change? And so fortunately, he, uh, he checked my cornea out afterwards and everything was perfectly fine. But I got a chance to experience what it was like to be blind in one eye. And so um, for some reason, they wouldn't let me drive home from the surgery by myself. Something about depth perception. I don't, I don't know what they were talking about. And my wife graciously uh, drove me home and didn't make one pirate joke on the way home. So I felt really good. Um, so I got the eye patch off after like 12 hours, and the medication that I was using, though, would make my eye blurry once in a while, and so I found myself driving down 422 a couple days later, uh, right in between the part where there's those two concrete walls on either side, and it was raining, and I was distracted, and then my eyes started to blur up, and so it was a pretty dangerous moment in my life right there. Like, I think I like to live on the edge, but not that close to the edge, and so what I realize is that when you're blinded, it's actually dangerous, which we probably know. But in real life, not just physically being blinded is, is dangerous, but actually being spiritually blinded. And so I'd say when we're spiritually blinded, we can't see the world the way God sees it. And one of the ways that we can be spiritually blinded is by money. And so uh, you might have some fears about talking about money in church. I, I don't have any fears about it at all because Jesus talks about it a lot. Uh, money's good. God gives us the ability and the strength to make money. He wants us to use our money properly. But there is something in the sense that money can actually grab our hearts and blind us spiritually. And so money can be the thing that blinds you from seeing the world the way God sees it. And so there is one kind of big difference, though, between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. In physical blindness, when you're blind, you know it, right? Like you can't see what everyone else can see. You're, you're blinded. But with spiritual blindness, you think you're doing fine. You think you see the world the way it is, but in reality, you actually see the world from, from a skewed perspective. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how money can blind you and and really, James, the little brother of Jesus, is going to show us how do you identify that you're actually spiritually blind because you can't just tell by looking. And so that's what the little brother of Jesus is going to teach us this morning. We're going to be in James chapter 5. Uh, if you have your um, Bible, you can open to that. If you have the Bible on your phone, you version, you can do that. Um, and if it's, it'll be right up here on the screen. So James chapter 5, and uh, before we go on that, let's just pray and ask Jesus to be with us this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for another day that you've given us to be alive. We're grateful that, uh, that we can meet with you. We're grateful that even though we're not great people, 
you're great and you love us. So I pray you'd speak through me this morning and that you'd help us to be able to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. So we love you and we thank you this morning in your name, amen. So if this is your, your first time at Spring Valley, you've been going through this book called James, which is a letter that Jesus' little brother wrote. And congratulations, you're here for the angriest part of James's message to these people. And so James, just, I'm not going to be screaming the whole time, but just hear James really angry with these people. And the reason he's angry is he's, he's going to talk to a specific group of people. We're not sure if they're followers of Jesus or not. But they're just the rich people, and they're really kind of oppressing um, all the poor people in the area. So, James chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. James starts off, and he says, Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded your wealth in the last days. And so basically in the society that James is talking to, don't think American economy, okay? Don't think like there's a really big middle class and there's some poor and some rich. We've talked about this before. In this time, about 2% of the people were kind of ultra-rich, and then another 5 to 8% of the people were sort of like the middle class. But then you have the rest of the 90% of people who are poor. And so James is really talking to these really rich people about how they're using their wealth. And I would say for us, even though, even if you're not part of that ultra-rich group here today, right? if you're a college student, you have no money in your bank account, it doesn't matter because James is going to talk to us about how we should use our money and how we know if it's going to blind us. And so he starts off and he starts to mention all the markers of wealth in the ancient world. So wealth or riches consisted of these three things. Wealth, which is basically your land, your crops, um, your houses. You know, they didn't have cars, but it'd be their cars. Then you have your clothes. So people are known by their clothes. And then you have their bank accounts. So that's the gold and silver. And so today it's, it's not that different, right? Like, you know, people are wealthy by the type of car they drive, by the type of house they live in, by the amount of houses they own, by the kind of clothes that they wear. And we really can't see people's bank accounts, but, but we know. So these are rich people. And, and so James is talking to them prophetically, and he's saying, hey, listen, all these clothes that you have, like they're not eaten through right now, but they will be because they're not going to last. And all this land and crops that you have now are doing well, but eventually they're going to rot and fall away and become worthless. And all this gold and silver that you have saved up, it's going to rust and corrode and going to be worthless. And the reason James is, is, is talking to them like this is because he's upset because they have this wealth, but all they're doing is keeping it for themselves. Like they're not actually using it for anything good. They're just using it for themselves. And so the first point, really, how you know that you're spiritually blinded by money is that when you're being blinded by money, it will cause you to focus on making money instead of making money count. So you hear the difference there? People who are blinded by money are really concerned about making money, but people who follow God, who follow Jesus, should be concerned about making their money count. And so James is saying, you guys are just sitting there hoarding all of this wealth, not using it, not blessing people with it, and guess what? It's all going to burn. It's all going to be done. And there's a really important distinction we need to make here. 
is that everybody in this room, you're not actually an owner of your clothes, your wealth, your car, your house, whatever it may be. You're not an owner. What God says is that you're actually a steward of everything you have. So a steward is someone who is given something to take care of, to use for the master's benefit. And so these people thought they were owners. They thought, yes, this is my property, this is my wealth, and I can use it however I want. And what James is trying to get them to see is that's not true. You're actually just a steward. You're actually just supposed to use it for the master, and you get some of the benefits from it, but your job is to use it. And so that's the same thing with us today, that that's our calling in life, is that all the gifts, talents, abilities, you may have made a lot of money, but all of those uh, ingenuity that you have, that all comes from God. So each one of us is a steward, and that's why we can't just act like owners and act like we're going to keep the money for ourselves. And so there's a reason why owners really like to make money. And I think it's, you really like to make money because money gives you security, right? Like if you have a lot of money saved up in the bank, even if you get sick and have to go to the hospital, you, you'll be fine. Right? Even if you lose your job, if you have enough money, you'll be fine. Like it seems like money can pretty much be our security no matter what. And yet the scriptures tell us, and Jesus will tell us, that money isn't security at all. That your life is actually like a wisp or a vapor that it's here today and gone tomorrow. Money is not security. If you ask anybody who had a lot of money in the stock market, 2007, 2008, all the people who lost money in Ponzi schemes, I mean, money doesn't give you security. It's only found in Jesus. But that's what these people thought. They thought, well, we're rich, so we'll find our security in our riches. And James starts off the passage by says, you better weep and wail because of the coming misery. See, they were so spiritually blinded by how much money they had, they couldn't see what was most important. In James, he uses this metaphor that I think we'll all get. He says basically these people were hoarders. And so hoarding is not a, a good title in our culture. Right? There's, a, there's a show, I think there's probably six seasons or seven seasons, all about people who hoard stuff. And basically they'll go into their house and they'll see just piles of junk and junk, and junk, and some people have to move out of their house because they have so much, but, but there's just all this garbage in their house, and it seems like these people think the stuff that's in their house is actually valuable, or like people have stacks and stacks of newspaper, or collectibles, or something, and everyone else in their life sees that it's junk, but they think it's valuable, and so they bring cleaning crews come in, and they have to clean up all the stuff from the rats and the insects and everything like that. And, and the place is just a mess because they've hoarded everything and haven't used it and haven't put it in its right place. And that's what James is saying, what happens when you're more concerned about making money than making money count, that you're actually hoarding it. You know, there's times where you think, man, it's really awesome to have a lot in my bank account. And, and you know what it is? And I think we need to find that balance, right, between godly saving and, and greedy hoarding. But the real truth is, are you making your money count? Jesus, James's brother, tells us in Matthew 6, 9, 19 through 21, right? He says something very similar to James. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is saying is that your money is not your security, that actually if you have a bigger perspective, if you're not blinded by money, what you'll see is that your real treasure is going to be in heaven. And so he basically said, 
send your treasure ahead of you. He said, make your money count for something. Because when we're blinded by money, here's the truth. We'll look at our budgets, we'll look at our bank accounts, and we'll think one line is more important than the rest. How much is there? Or how much is saved up? But in reality, what, what James is telling us, it's not about the line where it says how much is there, but how are you using it? How are you investing it? And I think myself, personally, I need to make a change, and maybe some of us need to make a change, is that we need to stop thinking about our money as this is how much I spent or this is how much I gave. Because that's how we talk about it now. We talk about, well, I spent this much money, or sometimes my wife will bring me back these receipts from her wallet, and I'll be like, how much did you spend? Or, and she'll usually tell me how much she saved. Right, just so, so you guys know out there, when you get married and your wife says, I saved you this much money, that means there's a big bill coming behind it. Right? So instead of thinking, though, in terms of, of spending or giving, we should think of all of our money as investing. So you need to make that shift. How did I invest my money? Because every dollar, every cent that you spend, you're actually investing it into something, whether it's yourself whether it's your kids, whether it's something for your needs, something for your wants, whether it's in the church or another organization, you're actually investing every dollar because you're not an owner, you're a steward, so you're using it for God. And so the question for us today is, how are we going to invest our money to make it count? Because we all know that there's, there's needs and wants and we live in America, we live in a pretty luxurious society, and so lots of us have our wants met and easily our needs met. But the question is, how are you going to start investing your money so you can make it count? And so I think, for me, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I believe followers of Jesus are called to be concerned about suffering. Okay, We're really concerned about eternal suffering, but not just eternal suffering, right? So when we invest our money, where are we putting it? Are we putting it in our local church so people can come to know Jesus? Are we putting it in missions so people can come to know Jesus? Are we investing in organizations that help with human trafficking? Are we investing in organizations that help with global poverty? Are you investing in your friends or your family? Are you just investing in yourself? Because if you're just investing in yourself, what you're saying is, I'm more concerned about making money than I am concerned about making my money count. So that's what James is saying. If if you're not blinded by money, you'll see that you need to make it count. But James isn't going to just stop there. He's going to go on in verse 4. And then he's going to say this this one exclamation, look. So we're talking about being blinded. Look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the eyes of the Lord Almighty. And so we have this situation with this wealthy class. We talked about the top 2%. And so what they were doing is that they were actually holding money back from their workers who worked hard in their fields so they could be richer. And then the people might get paid or they might not. And the problem in this society is that the 90% that we talked about were so poor that if they didn't get paid at the end of the day or they didn't get paid at the end of the week, their family probably wasn't eating. They probably weren't able to live where they were at. And later, James is going to accuse them of of murdering people this way. So he's saying, listen, you're defrauding people. You're hurting people just so you can live the way you want to live. Their problem was that they were starting to use people to get money instead of using money to bless and serve people. 
And so the second thing that we need to learn today about being blind by money is that being blinded by money will cause you to focus on blessing yourself instead of blessing others. Right, so if you're blinded by money, you're gonna start to only think about yourself. You're gonna be callous towards the needs of other people. And there's this interesting part in this verse on Jesus' name, and normally we kind of let things like this go because we're just thinking, you know, it says um, the Lord Almighty, right? So the second part of the verse is the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And this word, Lord Almighty, it's not just another name for God, right? Translated from the, from the Greek, it's actually the Lord of hosts, and, and one version translates it, the Lord of angel armies. And what's happening is basically the cries of these workers that said injustice is happening is reaching the God who's the God of the angel armies. And God is the defender of the poor. And he's coming to bring justice on them. And James is saying, you better be scared if you're defrauding people for your own benefit. But we would say, you know what? We don't, we're not going to do that. We're like, we're not dumb. We're, we're not going to treat people badly or treat people poorly. But the truth is when, when money starts to blind you, you start to kind of forget about the needs of other people. And then you start to do things that might be a little unsavory, like not be as generous or not follow through on your commitments to pay people. And I'm not saying that happens to all of us, but I do think that there is something inside of us that we, we tend to want to bless ourselves by human nature instead of blessing other people. And James' brother, Jesus, again, he, he knew this was going to happen. And so he said in Matthew 6, 24, he said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so people who love money bless themselves, right? And people who love God really work on blessing others. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to do what he did, Jesus came down on earth to give his life up for you and I so that when we put our faith in him, we can be reconciled to God or be made in right relationship with God. He's willing to be selfless. Well, uh, one theologian, Karl Barth, he, he said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus moves from the heights to the depths, from victory to defeat, from riches to poverty, from triumphs to suffering, and from life to to death. Because Jesus set the example for us. He's, he said it's not about blessing yourself. It's not about getting a higher status. It's not about saving up more, although saving is good and planning is good. He said it's about giving up your life so that you can bless others. Christians should be some of the most generous people who are around, people who are always looking for reasons to bless other people. Uh, if you've been on social media lately, which I'm Many of us probably have. You've seen the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, right? This is basically where people video themselves um, pouring a bucket of water over their head and donating $10 to the ALS organization to help raise awareness uh, for Lou Gehrig's disease. And it's been going crazy all over the internet. And I took part in it because uh, our worship leader, Jeff Martin, decided that he would challenge me. And... The great thing is that it's raised almost $9 million in just a, a span of a couple weeks for this organization. But I was thinking about it, even as I was doing it, as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't need a video or a challenge to be generous people. Right? It shouldn't take someone else challenging us with a video to say, hey, you should give 
your money away. You should bless other people, right? We should be the most generous people there are because we have a generous God who loves us and serves us. And I think our implications of us being generous of not just blessing ourselves but blessing other people, I think those have to go beyond our money. I think it has to go with our talents, our abilities, our strengths that God's given us to love people and serve them. And I love this story about John Wesley. Um, John Wesley had just, he just moved into a new apartment. He's a preacher from the 1700s, kind of started what, what we would call Methodism. And he just moved into an apartment and he just bought pictures to put up on the wall. And the chambermaid comes into his apartment in the wintertime and he sees her and he sees that she, she barely has any jacket on. Like it's, it's really not enough to keep her warm. And so he reaches into his pocket and he realizes that he doesn't have money to give her to buy a new coat. And then he said these words to himself. He said, will the master say, well done, good and faithful servant? Thou has adorned the walls with the money that might have given this poor creature some comfort from the cold. And he said, oh, justice and mercy are not these pictures the blood of the poor maid. And it seems extreme, but what he just said is the money for the jacket that she needed is really up on the, in the pictures on his wall. And he's really taking this call seriously to bless other people. And now I have pictures on my wall. I'm sure most of us have pictures on our wall. And the, the point of John Wesley isn't that you shouldn't have some nice things. But here's what I think his point was. Are you willing to give up your wants to meet someone else's needs? Right? Are, is it, was he willing to give up his pictures to meet the needs of this person? And, and that's really the question for us. If we're willing to say, I'm not going to bless myself and I'm going to bless others, are we willing to give up some of our wants? Are we willing to sacrificially give so that someone else's needs can be met? I think it's a really convicting question for myself. My wife and I have been looking over our budget lately, and, and God's just really been speaking to us about how we, how we can do more, how we can... Give more because there's so much more to be done. And we really need to have the right perspective about our money, right? It's not just about now, but about the future. And that's what James is going gonna, is gonna to tell these people last of all. So in verses 5 and 6, he says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He said, You have fattened yourselves up in the day of slaughter, and you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. So James is going to say, on top of all the stuff I already told you, you're basically living life overboard. Like you're not just living nicely, you're living in the lap of luxury. And so these people would do injustice to others so that they could live their life of indulgence and luxury. They weren't trying to bless them. They weren't trying to invest their money. They were trying to say, how can I live life the best way for me? And what they were basically saying is they had the, the perspective that they want to live the best they can right now. And so the last point I want to make is that being blinded by money will make you focus on living for now instead of living for the future. Right? And, and, the, and the culture that we live in, we're all about the now, the right now, aren't we? I mean, we have all these things around us that, that help us live that way. So if you want to watch a TV show, a season of a TV show, eight seasons of a TV show, you have Netflix that you can watch it right there. Right? You can get something on Apple TV. If you want to eat something right now, if you want to get some junk food right now, if you want to have a nice meal right now, you can run out to Wawa or you can run out to 
These aren't nice meals, but Burger King or McDonald's. But there really is this sense that, that we need everything and we deserve to have it right now. And the problem is, what God asks us to do is not live for right now, but to live for the future. And I'm not talking like the, the near future. Dave Ramsey, who's a kind of financial guru, he always says, live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And I think that's good. But we're, we're thinking even beyond that, right? We're thinking beyond we can, we'll, we'll live uh, kind of budgeted right now so we can live extravagantly later. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the now is this life and the future is eternity, the, the life to come for followers of Jesus. And so James is going to kind of hammer these people really hard on this because he's saying, you're too busy living for right now. You're not thinking about the future. And what was happening is that James is saying judgment is coming on you. So remember in verse 1 where he said, weep and wail for the misery that's coming on you. That word wail is, is kind of like a crying out where you just hear it really loudly from everywhere because people are saddened because the misery is coming on them. And they said your possessions are going to eat your flesh like fire, which... which I don't know exactly what he was trying to get at, but it seems like when you lose these possessions, it starts to eat away at you and you have guilt and you have all these different things that happen. And then lastly, he says, you fattened yourselves and, and a different translation, a better translation said you've fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. So let me explain the picture that he's putting out. In the Old Testament, which is kind of the first half of the Bible, uh, when you were going to have a party, right? Everyone likes parties. Um, you killed the fattened calf. And so if you're a vegan, that doesn't sound awesome, but if you like steak, that sounds awesome. And basically what happened is they put some specific cows out to pasture and they would feed them more and they would get better attention and they would kind of start to feel like they're living the good life until that one day when they're the cow that's going to get slaughtered and put on the table. And so that's a picture of us if we're living for now. We're basically saying, you know what? I'm going to get everything I can out of life right now. Like I'm going to try and enjoy every single thing, which is good if it's all for God. But, but you're saying I'm going to build up my wealth. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to get the latest clothes, the latest shoes, everything that I want to my heart's content. And yet you're really being blinded. Because it's not about the now, it's about eternity. Jesus said it, don't store up yourself treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. How are you going to invest your money? Right? How are you going to do it for things that count? How are you going to bless others instead of sitting there blessing yourselves? Because that's the picture. Just someone sitting there getting fatter and fatter and fatter and not doing anything for other people. He said one day judgment's going to come. And what he was saying, that if these people were Christians that they need to change or they're going to fall out of, of grace with God in the sense that they're going to stop following him and they're going to be faced with judgment. And really the truth is each one of us in here are going to be judged. That's just the truth of the Bible. If you're following Jesus, it's not going to be judged whether you get to be with God or not. If you're following Jesus, you get to be with God. But it's a, how did you use the talents and the gifts and the abilities God's given you for his purposes? So not for your own gain, but for his purposes. So whatever those are, that's not just money, that's your talents and your time and the skills and the brain that God gave you. He's going to ask you, how did you use that for me? You know, and James finishes the passage, and I think what he's trying to do is, 
is to get us to see a picture of what it looks like to be blinded by money. In verse 6, he says, You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. And that word innocent is, is really the righteous one who wasn't opposing you. And I think what he was really trying to do is give us a picture of, of Jesus as the righteous one who didn't oppose the people who killed him. And there is one guy in Jesus' story, if you're not familiar, who, who he kind of was blinded by money. And so his name was Judas. He was one of Jesus' 12 closest friends. And, and Judas kept the money for Jesus. So people would give money to Jesus for his ministry, and Judas would kind of hold the money back. I don't know if you ever read this. I just read this a couple weeks ago. Um, John 12 tells us that Judas was actually taking money out of the bag for himself. And then one day, Jesus is in the, the house of this guy named Simon, and this woman, Mary, she, she brings this really expensive jar of perfume worth a lot, a lot of money. And she breaks it and she pours it over Jesus' feet. This is a really symbolic act for Jesus. And you know what Judas did right after that? He, he and some of the other disciples were like, oh, that money could have gone for the poor. But the scriptures tell us that, that Judas wasn't actually interested in how it could help the poor. He's sort of mad because that was money that was being taken out of his pocket. And so right when that happened, he left and he went to the religious leaders and he told the religious leaders, you know what, if you pay me some money, I'll, I'll betray Jesus for you and, and I'll set him up for you. And so he went and they gave him 30 pieces of silver and he took that. Because he was living for the now. Because he was living for riches on earth, he was living for a comfortable life now. Not for the future. Do you know what Judas did? He realized that he wasn't living for now. He realized that he had made giant mistakes. And he went and he threw back and he gave back the money. And he ended his life. It's not an easy story. It's not a nice story. But it's part of what happens when you're blinded by money. You can't see the world the way God sees it. So the question is, are you going to live for the now? Or are you going to live for the future? Are you going to live for eternity? Are you going to invest your money in things that count? Are you going to bless other people? Are you going to live for Christ with everything you are, looking forward to what he has for you? You know, there's a missionary named Jim Elliott. And you might have been familiar with Jim Elliott, but Jim Elliott and a team of missionaries, they went out to, to the Amazon, to Ecuador, to, to reach out to this people called the Hurani. And they didn't know Jesus. And so Jim Elliott went with his crew and they met some of the people. And the unfortunate part is that, is that some of the people from the tribe ended up killing Jim Elliott and four of his friends. And in one of Jim Elliott's journals, he wrote this quote that I think is important for us this morning. And he said this, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he can't lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Makes me think, am I holding on to things that don't matter that I'm not going to be able to take with me? 
Am I, am I saying these things are really important when really Jesus is the most important? I think a lot of us in here today, we need surgery, but we don't need eye surgery. That's not going to help with the blindness. We need God to do surgery on our hearts to say, who am I living for? How can I live for Jesus? And it really doesn't matter. We're talking about money, but it really doesn't matter if, if you have no money or you're set for the rest of your life because it's all about how you view money, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. So this morning, I have a couple questions for us. These are questions that we need to take seriously. And the first question is, how will I make my money count? Like God's given you the ability to be a steward. He's given you whatever you have for right now. So how are you using that? Are you using that to invest in things that matter? Are you using that to, to bless people? It's a question I have to ask myself. The second question is, will I bless others or will I bless myself? So what does it look like to be someone who blesses others? Well, I think there's people all around you who you can bless, who you can serve, people in your neighborhood, people on campus, people you work with. There's people in your church who you can serve, who, who there might be a need that you can give to, or someone needs a meal, or someone just needs a friend and you can serve them with your time. I think it's people around the world, we, we hear about these persecuted Christians in, in Iraq. How can we serve them with the resources we've been given? I think there are ways. There's 26,000 kids die of starvation every day. How can we bless others with our money? How can we help those kids not starve? We can't probably solve the problems by ourselves, but can we be part of it? Can we bless them? And then my last question for us this morning is, are you living for now or are you living for eternity? If I could have every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to ask this question. Are you living for now or are you living for eternity? Because the scriptures tell us that Jesus came down from earth because God saw that we were far from him, that we can't make ourselves right in God's eyes. But the only way we can be made right is, is if someone paid the price for all the things we did wrong. And that's what happened when Jesus came down and was crucified. And then God rose him from the dead so that we can have hope. And so today I want to ask the question, do you want to live for now or do you want to live for eternity? And, and living for eternity means, yes, I want to put my faith in Jesus and serve him. And so if you've never done that before, you say, I really want to do that. I know my life isn't working out the way I want it and there's got to be something more. Would you just raise your hand and let me know that that's it? That that's what you'd like to do today? That you say, I want to live for eternity? to think about how we're actually using our money. Would we say we're being blinded by it? Or we're saying we're using it to serve God? I believe when you leave this place today that, that God's going to challenge some of you to be more generous than you thought you possibly could be. You might already give. You might already, you know, serve places and, and give money. But I believe God's going to challenge you to be sacrificial even more in your life. 
For some of us, we're gonna, we're gonna change our attitudes and say, instead of being all about blessing myself, I'm gonna work to bless others. And for some of us, we're gonna make the decision to say, I'm gonna stop living for now. I'm gonna live for the future. I'm gonna live for what God has for me. So Vinny's gonna play for a little bit. I'm gonna pray and you can be dismissed. But when you go home today or when you're tomorrow and you're looking at your budget or, or you're looking at how much God has given you are, you, are you asked the question, how am I investing it? How can I bless others? How can I live for eternity? So let's pray and, and we'll be dismissed. And you can stay and hang out if you'd like to, to uh, just meditate on this. Jesus, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we get to be here and hear from your word. God, I thank you that you've given us resources and you've allowed us to be stewards. I pray today that you give us your heart for others and for your purposes. We love you this morning, Jesus. Help us to go towards you and run towards you in everything that we do in life. In your name.